0: I'm going to reverse the service just a little bit right now because, no, you're good. (laughs) Because I'm doing what the Holy Spirit says, but I'm going to ask everybody to bow your head and close your eyes, please, as we start this service. You know, as I was standing there listening to the praise and worship, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, tell them that the day of the Lord is coming soon. When you look around you and you see what we're living in, You can't help but know that things are changing. And it's all preparation for Jesus to step out on those eastern skies and say, I'm coming back to get my children for eternity, and we're going to spend it in heaven. I'm giving you the opportunity, first thing in this service before I ever start. I want you to search your heart today. And if you're sitting there and you know That if God began to rapture his people out of this church, you would still be sitting in that seat and you would not go home. If you have not surrendered your heart and your life to Jesus, I'm gonna ask you to be brave enough today to just raise your hand where you sit and let me have an opportunity to pray for you before I ever start my message. So, is there anybody here today that says, I'm not sure? I am not certain about my eternity. If I were to take my last breath today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Is there one in here at all today? Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. That one. That one. Oh, my goodness. That one. That one. I'm telling you, God is setting aside this service right now for you. There is a way that you can know for certain that, if Jesus were to come back today, you would go to heaven and spend an eternity with him. Because the alternative is not good. There is a hell, and it's not, it wasn't prepared for you. But the Bible says that if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you will not go to heaven. And that's not, a, that's not a threat. That's a blessing that if you will say, yes, Lord, I can't do this by myself anymore. I need you to help me through this. I want to surrender like they just sung today. I don't know what those people are doing, but I want what they have. And you that raised your hands today, I'm telling you, if if you're ready to make that decision, you've already done the first step. You've admitted that you need Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the first step. The second step is to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he died on a cross to take your sins away. And when Jesus looks at you, he sees the blood of Jesus. He doesn't see your sins. He loves you. More than anybody on this earth could ever love you, he loves you. And he will stop a service just for you. So you know for certain, without a shadow of a doubt, that you would go to heaven if you took your last breath today. I'm going to ask you to get brave and stand up. And I'm going to pray a sinner's prayer with you right now. and The congregation can say it it too. So you know without a doubt. If you want to come down front and get an altar, fine. But God can do it right where you sit too. And I'm going to ask you to get brave enough to say, yes, I want to be ready. No matter what happens, I want to be ready. Would you stand right now? All of you that raised your hand, would you just stand together? Be brave. I'm telling you, you're going to have to get brave in this. I'm telling you. All right, my goodness gracious. Thank you, Lord. All right. So I want you to just repeat after me. It's a simple prayer. It's not complicated. God loves you so much. But I want you to say, Lord, here I am. Church, say it with us. I know I need you. I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. And I'm sorry. I know that you paid the price that I could live forever in heaven with you. Today, Lord, I accept you as my Savior. For now and eternity. I want to serve you. Forgive me, Lord, for all my sins, for all my faults, and take me as your own. Give me give me guidance and what you want me to do from this day forward. I love you, Lord. I want to live for you. Give me strength. Give me courage to do what you tell me to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Woo! Hallelujah. That's shouting ground. Seven people will go to heaven that might not have five minutes ago. God loves you that much. You might not have an emotional feeling right now, but I'm telling you, that peace will begin to build in you. That joy will begin to get stronger in you. And you just open your ears up and listen to Jesus. (laughs) The Holy Spirit wanted to do that because... This message is for Christians, probably. And so, I've got something to put up on the thing there. So, the English language is a weird language. And if we looked at this... I'm really excited right now. I'm having to calm myself down (laughs) after seeing these people stand and being so brave. But if you look at the prefix, C-O-M, calm, when you look that up, that means with or together. Okay? It's a good thing. And the word promise means word of honor or assurance that you will do a particular thing. So that's what you got, calm, and you got promise. But when you put those words together and you make one word, the word is compromise. And that word means, as one whole word, accept standards that are lower than is desirable. An agreement or common ground often involving variations from your original goal or desire, or it's a surrender. It's amazing to me how you split those words up and it has a totally different definition than when you put them together. Have you ever heard the story of the guy who couldn't decide what side he wanted to fight for during the Civil War? He put on the coat of the North and the trousers of the South, and guess what? He got shot at from both sides. This is what happens to the compromiser, the person who tries to live in two worlds. It's one miserable place to be. And the one thing that the world is missing right now in this, is the spiritual battle that's going on. John 10.10 says the enemy comes for three things, to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And if you just stop and look around you, you're going to see it happening. Amen? We are making decisions on a daily basis that could very well affect our entire future. In fact, Tuesday is going to be one of those days that we're going to make a decision when we go vote that's going to affect our entire future. You better pray about it, and you better go vote. Compromise is a subtle way that the enemy convinces us it's not a big deal. And so we began to justify things that eventually become a big deal. So compromise always involves a position that a person has held that they've moved away from. You had a position that you held, but you moved away from it. So, those who defend their change have to admit one of two things. They've either been wrong all along in the past or they're wrong in the present. That's your choices. If you have set in your mind something you believe and stand for and you change your mind, you're either admitting that you were wrong all along or that you're wrong in the present. That's your only two choices. Compromise. Now, I want to I focus today with you all on spiritual compromise because that's the most important thing that we're dealing with right now. And it begins, here's what it begins with, leaving your first love for Jesus Christ. Your first love. And the Bible talks about that in Revelation, that, that, that the word says that a church was condemned because they had left their first love. Other things had stacked up in front of Jesus Other things took their time and their thoughts and their money. So, leaving your first love is the first sign of spiritual compromise. Another big danger that compromise results in is a loss of discernment. And that's a big word that you don't hear talked about very much. But what discernment is, is you lose your ability to see right from wrong. And we're living in a world right now that, oh my goodness. If the coronavirus hasn't been something that people, they've lost their minds. I mean, I'm telling you, people have lost their minds. I am shocked at what I see posted on Facebook. I'm shocked at what people say and how they treat each other because of a virus. I am shocked. And we're going to talk about the compromise that comes with that. We have to have a made-up mind that isn't going to change. I want you to say with me, I'm not quitting Say it louder. I'm not quitting. quitting. It's going to cost you something. But whatever the cost, that's what I've had to learn to say is I'm not quitting. And, you know, for me, I'm one of those people that here's my stand. And you that know me know this. I walk in divine health. How many many of y'all have heard me say that? (laughs) Yeah. See, if you know me, you know that. But about three weeks ago, my body betrayed me. (laughs) I was still saying I walk in divine health, and I wasn't. And I know it. And you can laugh and you can say, mask or stupid, but the virus is real. I had it. Now, I was blessed with a very, very mild case of it, but I was so, so fatigued. I lost 15 pounds in a week. I'm in clothes I hadn't been in in a while, and that's a hard way to lose it. It's real. But I'm telling you what, as I laid there and I prayed, and the day came when I anointed myself with oil and I prayed a healing over myself. I told the Lord, he reminded me, he said, don't you ever forget I'm your healer too. Don't you ever forget it. You live in a cursed world that things are going to happen. And you live in a body that's going to deteriorate over the, over the years. But don't you ever forget I'm your healer. And oh, that was, a day of, that was a turning point day for me for healing. He is a healer. I don't care what's coming your way, he's a healer. I still believe that I walk in divine health. I'm going to use a story in the Bible that probably everybody in here knows, and it's in Daniel 3. So if you want to turn to Daniel 3 on your phone in your Bible, that's where I'm going to be going. Daniel and his friends had been captured, okay? They're not at home. They're in a foreign country, and they were brought to Babylon. I'm not going to read all this, but I will jump to verses so you all get ready to chase me. And they were servants of the king because of their wisdom, their good looks, and their intelligence. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar was pretty proud of himself as a king, okay, because Daniel had just interpreted a dream about him that was talking about how he was going to prosper and be successful. So he decides, like so many people do that as successful and prosperous, he decides he's going to remind everybody just how wonderful he is. So Nebuchadnezzar has them build an image of gold and set it up for everyone to worship as a way of promoting loyalty to himself and his kingdom. Never forget, if you're taking notes, write this down. It's in capital letters in my notes. Never forget, pride is dangerous. Because that's what the king had done. He'd gotten in pride. He gathered up all the important people of position And to dedicate this idol, the Bible says that he called them there for a dedication of the idol and commanded them when they got there to listen for the music. Now, that would be just like us saying, okay, we're going to dedicate this building to God. We're going to have a dedication. And then once you got here, everything changes. And we say when the praise and worship team begins to pray their music, y'all got to bow down and worship Pastor Hensley. Because that's exactly what the king did. He got them there for dedication of that idol. Once they got there, he got all of his musicians playing their music. And he said, when that music starts, you bow down and worship me. I want He wanted a crowd of admirers. And most people do. Don't you all want people to admire you? Don't you want to live a life that people look at you and think, wow, I'd like to be like them. And the more successful you are and the more power that's given, the more compliments you're going to hear. And we want others to admire us for that, right or wrong. And if we're honest with ourselves and to avoid compromise, the only thing that's going to be necessary is you're going to have to realize it's me. I'm in pride. I want to say something here. I'm going to interject this real quick. Music is powerful. It is. I mean, how many of y'all remember the song? I didn't have this in my notes. <laughs> I wish I was an Oscar Mayer wiener. That is what i really like to be. Because if I was an Oscar Mayer wiener, everyone would be in love with me. How old is that song? Old. I'm old, and Nick knew it too. <laughs> generation after generation. You can get a song going in someone's mind and they'll sing that for days. Music is very powerful. And the king knew that. The king knew that. And that's why you need to pray over your praise and worship team all the time. They need your prayers. They, they, and they do a wonderful job of staying under the anointing and letting Holy Spirit tell them what to, to sing and, and how to present it to you. And, and it moves people every single Sunday. I go to work with people that they say there's never anybody at their altars in their church. And I tell them, I said, I can't tell you the last Sunday we, had the, I, we didn't have somebody at the altars. And I love that. Music is powerful. It moves people. When the Holy Spirit falls upon it and it's godly music, it moves people. So does other music. Music is powerful. It can open up the heavens or it can usher in the, in the presence of God or it can bring in all forms of darkness that we respond to without even thinking about it. It can change your mindset, it can change your emotions, and it can change the atmosphere. We see that here. Our atmosphere changes when praise and worship comes in. Isn't that wonderful? Let's read verse 8. So, when all the people bowed, here's what verse 8 says. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever forever. Blah, 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 blah. Suck up, right? O oh, king, live forever. You, O oh, king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in sympathy with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the, God, the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon— Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image when you have set up. When you're living for God, listen to this, Christians, when you're living for God, there will always be someone assigned to you by the prince of darkness to maliciously accuse you. Thank you for that. That's right. Be ready for it. Don't be surprised. Satan uses people to do his dirty work. You don't see Satan. Most of the time, you see his effects. And he uses people to to accuse you, just like he did here. And if you haven't made up your mind before the attack, you're going to fight it in the wrong way. You'll get offended at somebody, or you'll just get downright mad at them. And you'll want to shut them up, or you'll want to smack them in the mouth. Because that's what our flesh wants to do when someone maliciously attacks us. Or is it just me? Thank you. All right. I'm not the only hothead in here. So they run tattling to the king and, and tells him that they're not doing what they were told to do because they weren't submitting to his authority. Here's another note taker. When you stand for what is right, you better be prepared to back it up. We are living in a world, and I haven't... Fact check this because I don't know how to fact check. I should have had somebody fact F A C T fact check. Facebook does that for us sometimes, but I have heard that the uh, running mate of Biden, Miss Harris, has spoken strongly in one of her speeches against how horrible pastors are, and they're just leading us all astray. They're just a bunch of—I mean, from what they posted, what I read was horrible. And that the churches should all just be shut down and these men should be shut up. Listen, church, I'm telling you, if you want to keep these doors open and you want to continue to have church, you better be prepared to stand up and stand against the spirit of darkness because it's coming. It's already here and we're in our our little Bible Belt area to where it's not affecting us yet. But they're having to file lawsuits to get their churches open in California. Be prepared to stand for what you believe is right. So in verse 13, oh man, the king did not accept this. Well, in fact, it says he in rage and fury, I mean, he was was furious at them, gave the command to bring them. So they brought these men before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar spoke to them, saying, is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, blah, 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 in sympathy with all kinds of music and you fall down and worship the image, which I have made, good. See, he's giving them a second chance. But if you don't worship, you should be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is this God who will deliver you from my hands? You know, the king liked these guys, but he was on the spot. Because they'd been tattled on, and he was going to have to do something to get their attention. Now, I know we've all heard this story, and it all sounds good and, good and fun, and, yeah, it all turns out great. But I want you to put yourself in the place of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for just a minute. And you're told to bow down to a king instead of to God, or you're told to quit coming to church, or you're told to quit reading your Bible, or you're told to quit listening to praise and worship music, What are you going to do if they tell you, I'm going to throw you in a fiery furnace if I catch you doing it? So, in 16, they respond. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that's the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. So they're saying whether God rescues me or not, I'm going to stand for what I believe in. We'll only serve him. Now the three men, they didn't make a big deal in front of the crowd. They didn't make signs and protest their rights. They didn't hide from the issue, because, you know, that would have been my thought. Well, I don't want to bow down to this idol. You know, and the crowd is huge. I think I'll just stay at home, and nobody will miss me. Y'all wouldn't, you wouldn't think that about that? You wouldn't think about that possibility? They stood their ground calmly. They stated their case. They didn't back up, and they didn't back down. They had a made-up mind. Be sure you have a made-up mind. So this filled the king with fury, and he ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than normal. And he ordered them to tie them up and cast them into the fiery furnace. And the Bible says the flames were so hot it killed the men that threw them in there. Now let's have a reality check here. I'll tell you a really quick story. I'm trying to watch my time. So I used to work with a guy named Rodney and he was out burning, clearing off some ground that he had bought one time and it wasn't burning fast enough for him so he threw gasoline on the fire. How many of y'all know what happens when when you do that? Don't do that. Okay, don't do that because the fire, the wind got a hold of it and it blew it back on him and he got caught on fire. So Rodney spent, I don't know, four, five, six months in St. John's Mercy. But I'll never forget, this, forget the stories he told me about the people that was in that hospital and how you could hear them screaming all over the floor because he was on the burn floor and how they would have to take off of this netting off of their burns every single day and clean. How many of y'all have ever burnt your finger? I mean, it's not comfortable, right? He had his arms, his, his legs, they were totally and completely raw, burned, third-degree burns. And so he had to deal with this day after day after day. I mean, Rodney, when he got, when he got back, I mean, he had horrible scars on his arms and his legs. But, you know, a fiery furnace is not something that you fun around with. It's not something that you lightly say, oh, yeah, I'll do, I'll do that instead. You better have your mind made up. Because the day will come when every one of us is going to have to to know that we know. I know you don't want to hear this, and I'm not cursing you, but every single one of you sitting here will have times of testing. Every one of you. The older you get, the more you look back and say, yep, she's right. And God will allow us to face situations that require us to be refined in the fire, and he wants us to come out pure as gold. Ask anyone over 40. If they've had to face a difficulty, and every single one of them will say yes. Amen, 40 or over? Thank you. You may be riding high right now, because we got a lot of young people in here. You may have the perfect wife, and the best children, and a great job, and successful and everything you put your hand to, and all's going well. But life can throw you a curveball, and you better have your mind made up. Whatever happens, I'm not denying my God. He may feel so far away and you not be able to hear his voice and you may feel like he's forgotten you. What? A furnace? Really, Lord? <laughs> that can't be good. But that's what they were facing. And in verse 24 and 25 it says, um, the king looks and he says, I see four men, loose walking in the midst of the fire and they're not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of a man. And I'm For sake of time, I'm not going to read the rest of it, this chapter. But what happens is they come out and the Bible says that their clothes didn't smell like smoke and their hair wasn't even singed. Jesus went in that fire with them. But had they never had the courage and had their mind made up to step into it, he wouldn't have appeared on the scene for them. See, part of this is all. For the seven that stood up today, you're going to make some decisions that you're going to have to be part of. It's not going to turn into a bed of roses all of a sudden and life's all wonderful, but you don't have to do it alone. That's the amazing thing about Jesus. And and you know, Jesus, he never compromised when he walked earth. His promises stayed the same. He knew death was coming, but he still went to the cross for me and you. Now, Satan, he's going to offer you all kinds of compromises, and he's watching every one of you. You think, "How how come that same thing keeps happening to me? Because he's on earth and he's watching our actions and our responses to things. And he knows our weaknesses. So when Satan gets ready to tempt you to compromise, listen to this. Satan doesn't just walk up and ask, hey, would you like to be a drunk and a drug addict? Yeah. You'll become a thief and a liar to support your habit and you'll ruin your health. Oh, and you'll blow all your relationships with your family. want to sign up. No, that's not the way the devil does. Instead, he says, hey, you need to relax and feel good, and you're under a lot of pressure, and your friends are all doing it. They're doing okay. Don't spoil the fun, and he snares you. That's what he does. He snares you. Now, I know that probably 90% of you all in here aren't drug addicts, and you're not alcoholics. So I got a little diagram here for the rest of us. Y'all like diagrams? So, I didn't see Linda Mitchell. Are you in here? Nope. Nope, she's not here. She does all this food prep. So, over here, I'm going to show you the things that someone's eating healthy can eat. I like cucumbers. Anybody say yum yet? I like cauliflower too. (laughs) All right, how about some blueberries? Here's some chunky white chicken breast. A little bit of tuna. Now, here we got all this healthy food that we can eat, and we know that it's good for us. It's not going to cause our colon to lock up. It's not. (laughs) It's not. This is good stuff for your colon. When you get my age, you're thinking about healthy colons. Nick, I'm telling you, brother. Right here. And then some neat person goes by Faye's Bakery and brings you a chocolate covered field donut for breakfast. Ah, look at that. I didn't have one yum on this. I put one field donut out here and the whole place goes wild. You know what this does? Probably, Billy. It compromises everything that you've done day after day here. And then you go to lunch and someone's having a birthday. And guess what they bring? Chocolate cake with chocolate icing. And you're thinking, But it's only one square, and it was only one donut, so I could compromise. And you've just blown everything that you've been doing for day after day after day by compromising. Can you tell that chocolate used to be mine? Maybe food is what you compromise on, it still messes you up. Maybe it's not food or drugs or alcohol. Maybe you think your success is because you're so awesome. You're just stinking awesome. It's pride anyway. Maybe you say things to just your good friend about someone else. It's slander anyway. Maybe the lie isn't hurting anyone, just making things a little easier. It's still a lie. God has tried to prepare us for everything that comes in our future, and he don't want us just to survive. He wants us to have victory. Now, here's a scripture that I know everybody in a recovery group will be able to quote, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Anybody want to do it? Okay, I'll read it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But I want you to look at verse 20. Do you have verse 20? There it is. Now then, we, us, we're ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are ambassadors for Christ. You are representing Jesus Christ. And people are watching you all the time as we represent him to the world. And he gave us the spirit to help us in the victory. But if we began to compromise, I mean, I'm going to tell you, if I go to work and I brag to everybody about how healthy I'm eating and how in shape I'm getting, and then I go over to the kitchen in there and I start gobbling down chocolate donuts and chocolate cakes, you know what they're going to think about me? You can't trust her. It don't take much to get her. A chocolate donut's all it takes. Now, that may sound funny, but it doesn't, if we don't have our mind made up, Satan will put something in your path that will seem very insignificant. You think you can hide it. Nobody will see it. And it will turn out to be a compromise that changes your witness to everybody. You're an ambassador. We're the only ambassadors Jesus Christ has. He's not here anymore. His 12 disciples aren't here anymore. It's our job, and what a blessing, what an honor. And in John 6, um, and I'm, I'm wrapping up here, in John 6, Jesus had been feeding thousands of people with little of nothing. He had walked on water. He had done amazing things, and his disciples saw all of it. But when he started telling them that he was the bread of life, And they didn't understand what he was saying. They didn't know who he was even then. And the Bible says, in verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They didn't have their minds made up. When they couldn't understand who he was, they were done. They backed off. But I I love the next couple of verses. I don't know if you've got those or not, but I'll open my Bible up and read them because I want to read them. In John 6, and in verse 67, then Jesus turned to the 12. Now, y'all think about this. He said to them, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we've come to believe and to know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. They had their minds made up. And God has got to become as real to us and as as full and all-consuming to us as the world was when we were sinners. And then even when we might not be able to hear his voice or feel his presence, I'm telling you, there were a couple of days when I was down, I didn't feel like praying. I didn't hear his voice. I didn't feel like reading my Bible. Now, I eventually felt well enough I could open my phone up and listen to someone else preach. But I knew, I knew Jesus was still my God. He was still my Lord. He was still my Savior. He was still with me. I knew that. And not for one minute in all of it did I ever think about compromising who He was in my life. Not once. God wants us to push the enemy back. He wants us to be victorious. He wants us to, to know that one day he's going to come back. And He's going to take us home with him. I want to read a scripture with you. Is the praise and worship team in here? Y'all come on up. Start getting ready, please. Yeah, I'm five minutes early. I'm doing good. The pastor would be so proud of me. I want to read a scripture to you that I have stood on. For time after time after time, to keep from compromising what I believe, I'm telling you, I've had to, I've had to stand to to my family and say, I'm going to serve him if I have to do it by myself. Until he steps out on that eastern sky and comes back and gets me, I'm going to serve him. My mind's made up. I'm not quitting. And it could have costed me a lot of family. It could have costed me my marriage. But I had my mind made up. I'm not quitting. Just not quite. I'm like Peter. Where would I go? Who would I go to? And he's proven himself to me over and over. And in Isaiah 40, I want you to jot down the scripture if you got a pen or remember it. But in verse 28, it starts, have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. He created it all, guys. Here's what it says about him. He neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He understands us so well. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth, listen to this young people, even the youth shall faint and grow weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. But, in verse 31, those who wait, On the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Man, get those verses in your spirit and claim them and stand on them and say, that's the God I serve. I'm not compromising. Devil, I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. I don't have to fight this battle, devil, because I've got a God that does. I know I've done everything weird today, but I put I put Kyle on the spot. And I want us to close out a little bit different. I've already given the lost. Thank God for the seven. Let's give God praise yes, for seven amen. people that got right today. That's going to heaven. Y'all pray for them this week. And I would like to get your names afterwards for pastor, if you would come to me. I've asked him to play Egypt. And we don't have a lot of people here today. There's a lot of room. I'm going to ask you Christians that's not going to compromise to step out of your comfort zone. Feel these aisles all around wherever you want to stand. And I want you to claim this song today as we close this service. Amen. Let's do it.